Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in our devotions for the series, Radical Family. Uh, we saw Ephesians 5 this Sunday. Yesterday, we delved into this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, and I want to, I want to focus on it a little bit more because it gives us uh, incredible, incredible instruction for just how we function and how the family works according to God's design. Biblically, here's, here's how the household functions, guys. So uh, we, we saw this call in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, uh, for wives to submit to their husbands so that if some, if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure and reverent lives. But then there's this other instruction that comes to husbands in verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner. All right, this is politically very incorrect, but it's just true. And also, guys, it works. It just works. It's a good thing. It is a good thing for you as a husband to treat your wife as the more precious vessel. All right, uh, man, we've kind of gone off the rails culturally here. Uh, and we, we feel like we've up into the apple cart and have, we're trying to do away with the whole notion of gender. But it's real. It's obvious, it's basic biology, but it's more than that too. The way that a husband treats his wife is affected, is influenced by the physical differences between the two of them, all right? We, I know that it's woke to pretend like, you know, if a dude uh, wants to compete against female athletes and he identifies as a woman, then you're supposed to call him that but he's not, he's not, all right? And it's, it speaks actually to the very point that's being made here. Physiologically, men are different than women. If you've gone through male puberty, then you have greater bone density and higher testosterone levels. You have more muscle mass, all right? You're just physically able to do stuff that your wife is not able to do, all right? Uh, I'm assuming. I don't have any money, so, <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's just true. Men are physiologically stronger than women, and that, that affects the power dynamic, all right? That, your strength is for her protection and for you to provide for her. This is what we saw as well, this mandate for husbands to provide for their wives the way that Christ provides for the church and cares for his body, the church. You care for her like she's your own body. You, 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 uh, you use your strength to serve her. You go out and you work your tail off. It's part of the nature of uh, a cursed state, the, the sin-stained state of reality that by the thorns and thistles of the dust, we've got to work hard you know, to be able to provide. And even, even today, in a technological era, you haven't gotten over Adam's curse. I mean, we, we have tools that help us and we can accomplish a lot, but we still got to work. Your, your physical strength is a good thing. It is for her protection, but is to be considered. The power dynamic is real. You physically are more powerful than she is. Now, would you use that in such a way that brings honor to her with an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life? So even though she physically may not be able to lift something as heavy as what you could lift. She is a, she is a co-heir of the grace, right? Do not mistake my 
complementarianism for any sense of misogyny. No, by, by no means. This is a really unfair stigma that's placed against the complementarian view and when in fact, as a complementarian, uh, I devote myself very much so to, the, to, the, to loving my wife well and providing for her well and treating her gently, showing her honor as a co-heir of the grace of life. This grace of life, what is this? I mean, it, it speaks to eternal life. He's just, uh, he's just used kind of the, uh, he, he's used a gospel lens to, to lay out how we interact with, with each other and to say that, that she is a co-heir of the grace of life. And one thing, you, in one sense, you could think of this as eternal life, as heaven above. But I think that uh, he didn't use the word eternal here, that even the life we have today is also a form of common grace, an outpouring, an evidence of the goodness of God. And she is your wife, husband. She receives that with you. And the two of you are co-equal in this. See that word co co-heirs of the grace of life. And then the takeaway is so that your prayers will not be hindered. So using this final phrase, we can also then draw another theological conclusion that if you do not live with your wife in an understanding way, and you do not show her grace and honor as the weaker partner, and you do not acknowledge her as a co-heir of grace, but you condescend to her, you look down on her, you treat her like she's dumb, and you throw your weight around, right? If you do not honor her as a co-heir of the grace of life, you're not going to receive anything from God, bub, right? If, if a guy comes to take my baby girl, Autumn Grace, on her first date when she's 40, and he has been anything but sweet to her, and he asks me for anything, the only thing he's getting is a swift kick off my porch. You can't be unloving toward God's daughter and then ask him for something. You know this, you know this. She is the daughter of the king and you answer to him for the way in which you treat her. This is a biological reality. It's a, it's a, it's a simple truth. Uh, you know, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. And then tomorrow we go into further instructions that I think also just affects the way that we, uh, the way that we argue, we gotta argue well. So uh, I'll see you tomorrow.